know where we're at. Let's set some targets of what we can do and where we want to get to. But you got to start there. You got to start to know what your total impact is. Welcome to In Our Hands, a podcast about the challenges and opportunities presented by the climate crisis. Each episode features a new thinker at the front lines of the battle to save our planet. Join us as we delve into the complexities of this global challenge and seek actionable ways to build a sustainable future. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of In Our Hands. Today, we have a very special guest, Latina Gerritsen, who is Director of Physical Infrastructure at Dropbox, where he is responsible for overseeing the finding, building, and maintenance of sites for Dropbox's data centers. He has played a strong leadership role in Dropbox's forward-looking work to reduce their impact on the environment and help address the climate crisis while still doing the great things they do. I am a very happy Dropbox customer, so I wanted to mention that right at the beginning. It's a special interest to me. Uh, Latne, let's just start with a little personal background. Can you talk to us about your career path and what led you to enter the world of data center infrastructure? Sure. Thanks for that uh, great introduction, by the way. So yeah, so my career path uh, actually began as financial accounting, so I have a finance degree. And uh, I was fortunate to kind of transfer into the data center industry, you know, starting in finance. And then from there, I eventually went into more data center engineering world. And uh, it's been an incredible journey, a great uh, group of small niche type of people in this industry. And I kind of fell in love with with that overall, you know, arching scheme and, and you know, by doing that, I was able to witness some great technology advancements and just have had a lot of fun in this industry for the last 10 plus years. So, Fantastic. How long have you been at Dropbox? Uh, Dropbox, I've been about eight years. Got it. All right. We're going to launch into something pretty much almost all of our electronic world runs on, but very few people understand. Most people think the cloud is this weird non-physical thing for file storage. But as you know better than the rest of us, it involves some very physical infrastructure. Can you talk us through what that infrastructure is and the effect of that infrastructure on climate? Sure. So the cloud isn't magic, right? That uh, a lot of people, (laughs) the easiest terms for me is is basically someone else's computer. (laughs) So uh, in this case, you know, at Dropbox, it's it's the use of thousands of computers that that you know house everyone's storage. You know, whether it's their tax tax returns or pictures or any of their collaborative tools, and we house them in like a reliable and and efficient manner. Uh, When you think about data centers, you know, in general. There's so much energy consumption in those in that environment because there are thousands and thousands of computers. Some companies do it really well, and some companies just throw all these computers into a big room, right, and just run run them uh, as inefficient as possible. So I, I kind of think of like an analogy of when you move into a house, you want to just get everything in the house, right? And a lot of times that's what happens and then people may leave that house, but you want to be in that house and start putting things in strategic ways. And that's kind of what we do at Dropbox from our data center perspective is we house these things in strategic ways where they're as efficient as possible for the environment, customers, right? And that ultimately trickles down to to the efficiencies that we we do here at Dropbox. So think of thousands of computers running in a, in a data center, a lot of a lot of electrical infrastructure, a lot of cooling infrastructure, miles right. and miles of wire and copper and 
and all kinds of fun, fun, interesting stuff. Got it. And we'll talk about the connection with climate even more deeply as we go along. I just want to call out for the audience. It's a question about what Dropbox itself has done by way of progress. In 2020, Dropbox announced its 2030 sustainability goals, which included reaching 100% renewable energy for all its operations. In 2021, you announced that Dropbox had already achieved a large part of this goal with all data centers being run on renewable energy. How did this magical thing come about? <laughs> yeah, so two two big parts of this is, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing on, on our end was, you know, it's easy to kind of get to this renewable world, but from a, just an investment standpoint, right, you could buy renewable energy attributes or whatever that is. But our, 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 our biggest thing was to reduce our carbon footprint, like actual carbon footprint, right? And one of the big things that we did was we invested heavily in automation. And in, in that automation for our servers, you know, um, we're able to power down servers when they're not being used. And this, this is really challenging for a lot of companies. And fortunately for Dropbox, we have some great engineering teams and so we invested okay. in automation where we actually powered down the servers when they weren't needed. This this like reduced our carbon footprint by like five to ten percent out the gate. And so that that wow. helped kind of sell this story to management, right? Where then we could fund the other additional stuff that we couldn't necessarily get all renewable through like energy attributes and 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 that kind of area. So so yeah. So to answer your question, we invested heavily in that automation front at first there's a blog post about it about more of the technical side and then from there we invent we got leadership approval and started investing in the renewable energy side of the world we would love to get a link to that blog post because okay. when we put our podcast out we actually all provide an intro and a full transcript and we'll embed the link there so people can go go look for more you know, and the last um, part on that, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just, uh, I have to throw a plug please. in here. You know, we have a very passionate internal team, the ESG team and social impact and Jackie Horton and, and, the, and the team there. They, they've accelerated that commitment with us, right? So we had a strong partnership. They saw the passion on the physical infrastructure side with the automation right. uh, thing. And then, and then they helped uh, kind of pave the way for the rest of it. So. Thank you for that. So I'm I'm now going to ask a question about economics. You know what's interesting, and you know it relates to the major investment thesis, which I won't blow our horn about. But the best things are things that are win wins, and it so happens that making the data centers much more energy efficient also results in lower energy bills, which I'm sure is a huge expense line item. Without the economic benefit, do you think? you'd still have been able to achieve what you achieved. Certainly pro- not as fast as we were, but you have to remember when we did this 2020 commitment, we didn't know the, we didn't do the due diligence on the financial impacts yet. So we just said, hey, look, we need to get here. And, and it wasn't a dollar thinking first, right? It was an environmental thinking first. I think the acceleration from the 2020 to 2020 or the 2030, you know, long-term goal and actually pulling in. So, so quickly was uh, driven by some of the financial benefits. 
Got it. Super helpful. You know, you guys don't operate in a vacuum. You know, the data center doesn't sit on an island that, well, maybe some of them actually do sit on islands, but they don't <laughs> yeah. sit on an island with no other interconnectivity. You know, it involves a whole range of ecosystem participants who are partners, you know, landlords, public utilities, public cloud partners of different kinds. What are the some of the benefits and challenges of, of that dealing with that wider ecosystem? Yes, so there's definitely some um, some the benefits is that there's so many partners and people really care about their commitments to the environment, uh, and it's starting to become much more social aware. And and we're you know from when I started till now, a lot of renewable and environmental areas as a big focus with like landlords and partners, which is great. There's still a lot of hurdles, right? Like the at the end of the day, my biggest goal is to to get renewable energy as close to the electron as we consume, and that's the most impactful for people like Dropbox that don't own their own land and build, you know, and own all that partnership with utilities, it's challenging. We have a, we, we work through landlords and the landlord side works with the utility provider. And the best way to get, as you know, the closest to Electron is like through the utilities themselves, right? And you enter in like a PPA agreement or whatever that is. And our challenge now is to get to remove that middle person and somehow get into these PPAs with the utilities directly or partner with all three of them. And that's the challenging part is to get all three or four groups aligned to get that electron as, as close as possible. Super helpful. I had not thought of it that way. And I think our audience will, your eyes will be open. Yeah. You know, the, the real change, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into this, come a little bit more passionate Please. in this area. The, the, the real change here, right. Is, you have to think of these uh, a landlord, and they have they make this huge investment in this building uh, or campus. You know, you think of the big uh, providers, and they have multiple tenants in this building, but they only have one meter from a utility provider that serves that electricity, right? And so the only way to get direct renewable energy into that facility is to enter into a PPA with that utility provider. But now you have right. 10, 15 customers in this building that probably don't want to pay a premium on the PPA. So the right. landlord's not very incentivized to go after a PPA because they get on the hook for, you know, these are long-term commitments. And so they so there's this there's this game that it's hard for the landlord to commit to a 10, 20 year PPA if they only have tenants in there for five years, six years, multiple tenants. So you almost have to get everybody, every tenant in this campus to agree right. to that PPA and that long-term commitment. So if there's if there's a way to contractually come up with a creative solution, like someone like Dropbox that wants to invest more in PPAs, right? However, I, now we have, we're, we're blocked essentially by the 10 other tenants in that building, right? Or the landlord afraid to make that premium commitment. So how do we bridge that gap? It's really interesting. Uh, and we're always talking uh, and trying to convince landlords to kind of, you know, step into that, to that arena. With some success or limited success? Limited success. So, uh, you know, a lot of them will claim the, hey, we, don't worry, we have 100% renewable. And then we come and, you know, peel back the onion a little bit. And they're just buying renewable energy attributes on behalf of, their energy right and it's like hey look 
Right. Dropbox could do that same thing, you know, but we, right. we'd rather choose where we're doing that and, you know, in the most impactful way. So our goal is to get as close to the electron as possible, but there's definitely a lot of hurdles, you know, when it comes to that. And I think that's the case for a lot of, a lot of software companies that have data centers that don't necessarily own that their, their land and their building. I'm glad you went into some detail on this because our audience is mostly VCs and founders, and this may spur ideas in their heads on how to maybe spawn something entrepreneurial that can help in this regard. I'm going to switch gears again and come to the fact that, look, you guys feel like a leader in the area. Have other companies looked at what you're doing or been sort of vaguely aware of what you're doing and begun doing some of this themselves? So for, uh, to be honest, so I, as mentioned, I'm, I'm a data center physical infrastructure person. I don't, I'm not necessarily one, you know, read all, all the environmentals, what everybody's doing. That's like our social right. impact group. But I know we've had a couple, uh, of analysis and we are, and I've been told that we're actually beating most of our peer companies in our commitments and, and our actions that we're actually doing. Whether, you know, people are changing because of Dropbox, it's hard to say. I, I think we try to make ourselves uh, aware. You know, we just produced our uh, our fact sheet, our 2022 fact sheet on in our environmental impact report. So I'm hoping that people can follow. I, you know, at the end of the day, there's there's the efficiency side on the servers that is super important from a from a data center perspective. And the great part about Dropbox is we are we are one of the first adapters of a lot of these new technologies, specifically in the storage world. And yeah. we're paving that way from, from a first adapter of technology, like extremely dense hard drives. And that extremely dense hard drives leads to ultimate you know, uh, efficiencies and reductions. And we're hoping that other companies see that. And we're doing a lot of external you know, blog posts and partnerships with our hard drive vendors to really to really showcase that and we're and we're hoping that kind of fills into other uh, other peer companies as well and and kind of lead that way got it super helpful i feel like carbon offsetting sort of hit its peak and is now the subject of widespread skepticism and without expressing my personal viewpoint i what i can say is many companies are relying on carbon offsetting to meet their sustainability targets do you have thoughts on that topic? I so it, it's it's definitely a interesting, complex issue, right? I think I think at the end of the day, um, you know, like I said, I'm a physical infrastructure person, and efficiency is what I care about. But I acknowledge, you know, hey, short term investments in carbon offsetting are valuable. That, I, like I I still think they're valuable. If you're not going to do anything, right, at least you can start that. And that could kind of become that flywheel for companies at some point, right? You start investing in this, and then it starts maybe generating in a different area. And so, you know, they're not the most impactful solution, but, you know, long, especially in the long run. But if you have that part of your strategy and your ultimate strategy to prioritize your actual re emission reductions is, is, is important. But don't use that as the end-all, be-all, right? Use that as the tool as part of your strategy to ultimately get to a more uh, actual reduction versus just the offsetting portion. Oh, you couldn't have said it better. I agree with everything you've said, and I've, I've said variations of that to other people as well. So thank you. All right, we're going to get to our last question. 
look, one of the things we want to do with our podcast is inspire other people to take action, right? That is a big reason why we do this. What would you say to motivate other camp companies to take similar actions to get to net zero or whatever variation of that phrase they use? The first couple of things is right, really to understand what your overall impact is. Do that accounting part. That accounting part, yep. you know, is yep. is a is a small investment in the in the long run to really see where you're at. And if you're struggling with leadership or anything like that, if you could get that accounting perspective and say, look, here's our total impact here. This is what we're doing. Build that baseline and then start looking at ways to reduce that. And we've seen great benefits financially on just really diving into the details on the efficiency side from a data center perspective, right? Like you, like you mentioned, the utility bills have gone down tremendously once we started rolling out some of this automation. We save a lot in the denser hard drive world. So like invest in these technologies because ultimately you're going to be saving in the long run. That ultimately goes down to your overall environmental, you know, story. And for, for us, it's like we got the accounting. We said, okay, we know where we're at. Let's set some targets of what we can do and where we want to get to. But you got to start there. You got to start to know what your, what your total impact is. Well, you know, and we promised to our audience, we didn't, we didn't sort of trick Latina into talking about this, but we have multiple carbon accounting software companies in our portfolio. Oh, so nice. we as you <laughs> are in massive agreement that you've got to start with the data. Well, I, I promised you this would be short and painless, and this has been short and painless, I hope. In, in a short podcast, you've communicated a ton of really useful info. I want to thank you for your time, and I wish you the very best in continuing to move Dropbox along to its goals. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please email us at climate at amasia.vc with any suggestions or ideas, and visit inourhands.earth for the full transcript of this podcast and other information.